standing, maybe seated. Welcome this morning. We're so glad to see you this morning. Looking forward to what God's going to do in our presence and looking forward to diving into the scripture. But this morning, we just got to do a quick recap after last Sunday. So exciting to see so many people come uh, be on our property. You did a great job hosting. I want to give it up for 120 plus volunteers that made that happen. That's just awesome. You guys worked really hard, did a fantastic job. Now, Here's what's super cool. A lot of you serve for the very first time, and that's super cool that you serve for the first time. Here's what I want to invite you to do is not just allow that to be a one and only time. I want to invite you to join a ministry team. You say, I did that. That was pretty cool. I want you to come back. You say, hey, I can, I can help out once or twice a month. Man, get on a ministry team and help. And last week we saw 135 people give their life to Christ. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That was lived out last week. That's exciting to see so many good things. So I hope you're looking forward to a great day. Today we are doing several fun things. If you are new to Southridge, you want to get to know a little bit more about, learn more about our ministry, our mission and vision, we are inviting you back to Backstage Pass at 12 o'clock. So stick around for that free lunch. want you to be a part of that. Then tonight we're doing what's called our vision gala. We're going to look at the vision for not just next year, 2019, but for 2020. And uh, there are three tickets left, just three. You say, oh yeah, yeah. Churches do that. They create FOMO. No, 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 seriously. There's three tickets left. We sold out. We only have three tickets left. And that's because somebody canceled and that opened up those three spots. So if you'd like to go, there's three spots left. And uh, so if one couple beats you to it, then husband and wife, you got to pick who's staying home, who's going, you know, don't mean to separate you like that, but that's just how it happened. Just kidding. You can, you will figure something out. All right. So, uh, one of you can watch the other eat or something. I don't know. We'll work it out. And, uh, but we're, we want to invite you to it and you can sign up for that at our connection tent on the way out. But Christmas time is here. We're in full swing. We're in shopping mode, traffic mode, gift wrapping mode, Amazon Prime mode, uh, just just all kinds of great things going. Maybe you're in cooking mode. You're in travel mode. I don't know what mode you're in. Uh, but when it comes to the holidays, there's a lot of fun things going on. But sometimes when it comes to the holidays, it can put some anxiety into our hearts and our spirits, can't it? You say, why? It can do that because, not because of traffic, not because if you've got all these things to buy and these presents to wrap and the bicycle to build at midnight, Christmas Eve. It's not all that stuff. What puts you in a panic is who you got to be around around Christmas time. It is it, the people. It is the people. It's the people that usually you can avoid in a social setting, but now they're going to be sitting at your kitchen table, and you got to pretend like everything's all good. you got to pretend like, hey, this person, we're all right with this person. And that's sometimes not easy, is it? It's hard because that's not natural for you. You're the type of person that you don't just go around pretending like you like people. You're like, I either like you or I don't like you. There's no middle ground with me. You know, I don't like to fake it. But when it comes to family, sometimes you got to fake it to make it. And you're not looking forward to that two and a half hour dinner sitting around the table making small talk when you know that person actually did you wrong. When you know that person's hurt you and they haven't asked for forgiveness. We know that person's either borrowed some money from you and they owe you and they're acting like they don't owe you anything. And yet they roll up in their new car and you're like, hey, you owe me money, but you bought this new car. Or they borrowed money and they got those new clothes, those new shoes. They and they got the new iPhone or they got something and you're like, wait a minute, you owe me money, but now you, you, you're showing off all your new stuff? Like, unless you got a, a ribbon to put on that and hand it to me. 
do not be showing that off in my presence because you owe me money or you owe me something. And it gets hard around the holidays to be around people. And we can laugh, we can make jokes, but it gets really difficult. I think this video will illustrate it perfectly, just how difficult it can be. Let's turn our attention towards the screen. for Christmas, you can count on me. Oh, man, I love that song. That is my all-time favorite Christmas song. I mean, it just takes me back to when I was a kid and, and, you know, Christmas and everything was great and it was young and all was quiet and right with the world. Wow. You know, when I was a really young boy, my dad, he would put on this Bing Crosby record, right? And, and I still remember the sound of that needle hitting at that scratch that it made. Um, it's the old-time crooner with the golden tones. And my dad was hilarious. He would grab a spoon from the kitchen and he would sing to my mom like he was a crooner. <laughs> I remember the smells, you know, the tree and, and wassail. You know, I could never get a straight answer out of anybody as to what wassail was, but it smelled great. Yep, that was 1978 and all was quiet and right with the world. Well, it's funny, you know, in an ironic way that that Bing Crosby album would, would represent the shattering of that quiet, you know, as if it were... The spoils of war and a battle begun between mom and dad. See, you know, when you're a kid, you you, you don't connect the dots, but you can tell when lines are drawn, and lines were definitely drawn between mom and dad. And apparently, dad crossed one of those lines, crossed over, and he just couldn't come back. So he left. And he, he took that stupid Bing Crosby record with him. 1979, yeah, all was quiet, but nothing was right anymore. You know, over the years, my dad, he transitioned into something else, you know. Uh, He just didn't feel like my dad anymore. I mean, maybe it's because my mom always referred to him as your father, uh, because she wouldn't call him anything else. Well, I mean, (laughs) she would call him other things that weren't quite as nice as your father, but I don't know. He just didn't seem like my dad anymore i mean he would he would come to you know games and performances when he could or or we'd spend major holidays together but i don't know this this is going to sound terrible but he just he always brought chaos with him and when i say chaos i'm not talking about his second wife if that's what you're thinking (laughs) no it's the chaos that comes with comes with knowing that you weren't a priority anymore Life it sure became simpler with him gone. I mean, not easier, but simpler. Anyway, that, that was 30 years ago, and uh, you know, I, I don't spend much time thinking about that, about the days before Bing left the building. Now I'm married, got my own kids. But wouldn't you know it, I got a call last night from him. Yeah, he left me a voicemail. He's traveling through town, and he wants to see the kids, and of course, me. So, I'm just sitting here debating whether or not to call him back. You know, I don't know. 
listening to that song, and I'll be home for Christmas, and I'm thinking, oh, is that a promise or a warning? I don't know. Maybe this is the year that, that he and I make things right. Maybe this is it. But I don't know, you know. Like Bing said, it's a long road back. It's a long road back. Here we go. It's hard around the holidays, isn't it? Now you got to be around the table with people, homes of people that there's some unresolved tension, unresolved issues, unresolved pain. And it's just kind of there like an elephant in the room. And it kind of reminds me of this song that we sing around the Christmas time. Hark the herald angels sing. Peace on earth, mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. You see, the holidays are hard, but the holidays stand for something bigger than just Christmas presents, a turkey dinner, or the presence under the tree, there's a bigger idea at play here. It's the idea that that Jesus was sent to earth to die for you and I. Why, Why die, though? It was to reconcile something. Reconcile what? Reconcile irreconcilable differences. You say, what were the irreconcilable differences? It was that you and I had made a decision uh, uh, to, to do our own thing, to, to head our own direction. And we rebelled against God. And we decided to live our own lives. And, and salvation is that coming back, but we didn't have a way to come back. But God, in his infinite wisdom, sent Jesus to die on our behalf, reconciling us back to himself, reconciling sinners to God. God and sinners reconcile. You say, what is reconcile? It's the building of the bridge. It's the mending of the bridge. It's creating a path back. It's giving us a way to go back. You see, you, you can run from God. You can sin against God, but there's always a way back. And... Uh, 1 John 1, 9, it says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, that's our God. And it's great that we have that promise, and we love that around the Christmas time, don't we? The fact that, hey, I can, I can be reconciled to God. How cool is that? The creator of the universe, the omnipotent one, the prince of peace, the, the, the one who created everything. There, there can be this reconciliation relationship. And it's, it's powerful. It's wonderful. But that's a great idea for us to be reconciled to God. And it's almost easier for God to be reconciled with sinners than for sinners to be reconciled with other sinners. And what happens is we just kind of think that the holidays are easy and the holidays I'll just kind of fake it till I make it and I'll go be with them and I'll, I'll go to that house and, 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 and I'll just, I'm not going to work on it. They hurt me after all. So it's not on me to deal with it. Or maybe I did hurt them and I don't want to deal with it. You see, Christmas is a time for giving. You say, what do you mean, forgiving? It's a time for giving. Forgiving of forgiveness, not just a gift. And around Christmas time, we're all going to wrap gifts. We're all going to have these presents, but it's a bigger idea than that. It's a time where we're going to give gifts, but not just any gifts. It's the gift of forgiveness to those who have hurt us. It's that gift that everybody can use this Christmas. It's the reconciliation. And I know we look at the Christmas story and we think, oh, it's so easy. It was so, so vanilla. Jesus coming to earth, born in a stable. But there's a part in the Christmas story we almost overlook, don't we? And it's found in Matthew chapter number one. And it's kind of this character who, he's almost kind of a minor character in the narrative. You say, who is it? It's Joseph, the stepfather to Jesus. 
And we find his story in Matthew chapter 1. And I want to begin reading, and if you'd read along, that'd be great. It'll be up on the screen, or you can follow along in your Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. You could take that as our gift. But verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife, but did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I grew up at the era, I think, at the end where sitcoms like Full House and things like that, where, where all their problems were pretty tame. And it seemed like no matter how big the issue was, they would just kind of resolve the problem within the next 30 minutes or by the end of the last commercial break. And I think what inadvertently happened is I'm, I was born in the 80s, but I was raised in the 90s. And so for me, I feel like that was my emotional capacity was to handle problems that are only on a sitcom level. And I don't know if I've quite graduated to the new reality that we have of this is us type problems. You know what I mean? Like they got real problems. They got real issues. But I feel like sometimes I'm still stuck in the, uh, the, the, the full house and, and, and Jesse's hair isn't turning out just right and it's a bad hair day. And that's the worst of our difficulties, the worst of our problems. And what happens is we kind of go through life thinking, hey, as I get married, my problems will be resolved in 30 minutes or less. 25 if I include the commercial breaks, but yet you're in an argument with your spouse and you're like, wait a minute, we're past 25 minutes. We're at about 24 hours, you know, and what's going on? And, and this is frustrating or, or you, you're around other people and you find that, hey, your boss is not resolving the tension. Your coworkers is not resolving the tension. And all of a sudden, you're ill-equipped to handle the real things that happen in day-to-day life. And it's easy to kind of look at the Christmas season and to think, what's the matter? This is all about God reconciling with sinners, but it's more than that. It's not just God reconciling with sinners. It's sinners reconciling with sinners. But yet, that's where we want the Christmas story to stop. Because we don't want to, what I call, drop the F-bomb. You say, what do you mean drop the F-bomb? Forgiveness bomb. Early on, when the church restarted at the Southside Community Center, about this time of year, it happened about this time last year, uh, Sunday mornings, we'd get some really interesting characters who would just wander into church because we would offer free coffee and it was warm, and we just happened to be very close to where they slept the night before, and they would wander in and quite inebriated, quite inebriated, and we always let them in. We wouldn't say, no, you got to go somewhere else or anything like that. 
we'd let them in and they would always want to sit down front, you know, and, and, and they love the band, they love the music and, and, and I'm kind of energetic and so they kind of like that and they, they just start talking as I'm talking and they start making commotion and noise and kind of gets to be distracting. So one of our amazing ushers would come down and say, hey, you can be here but you're going to have to move to the back. You're just too noisy. And the person would calm down and be all right and then finally the usher would have to come back, tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, it's okay for you to be here uh, but, but only one guy is going to preach this morning, not two, okay, just one, all right? And you don't have a microphone, so you got to go in the back. So this one person gets up, and he's like starting to say goodbye, and he's talking to the whole crowd, and then he says on his way out, I effing love this church. I was like, what did just happen in church? Oh, my goodness. Then I thought, how cool of a Yelp review would that be? Like, effing best church. Like, that'd just be great. Like, yes, that's us. Yes, I'm telling you what. And uh, F means fantastic for all you really legalist Christians. You know, that's, that's what it means. Don't be offended. And, uh, but it's dropping the F-bomb. It's dropping the F-bomb of forgiveness. And that's really hard, isn't it? Especially when somebody's hurt you. It's really difficult. But yet, put yourself in the position of Joseph for just a moment. You're engaged. This is happy. This is an engagement would take usually about a year-long process to work out all the details. And usually the, the, the one that you're engaged to would come live with your family. And what they would do is your family, the patriarch of the family would have a house and they would build a room onto that house or they build a room above it. And so you just kind of add on. And so what would happen is you're building the house. That's why you needed a year-long engagement. Or the engagement usually take as long as it took to build the addition to the house. And then the one who's engaged would come and move in. And now Joseph's worried because Mary's the talk of the town. And Mary is now showing. It's not just that, hey, you know, she put on a few extra pounds, hadn't been to the gym in a while. It's no, she's, she's quite noticeable. And at first all the guys didn't want to ask, Hey, when are you due? You know, that, that awkward situation. But now you can tell she is obviously pregnant and you can tell that Joseph, whenever he would go to sell a chair or a table, people would whisper like, Joseph, I know you're engaged. I hate to break it to you, but Mary's having a baby and, and, and she's telling everybody it's God's baby. Like Joseph, are you sure you want to stay with that person? person. You can just imagine the frustration of Joseph, you know? I mean, the people coming up to him and saying, hey, Joseph, she's saying it's God's baby. So now she's saying, I got to buy a more expensive gift at Target because it's God's baby. You know, like it's extra special. Like I need to spend more money. You can just see the conversations. And Joseph, he, the Bible says that he was a person that followed the law. And for him, this is uncomfortable. For him, it's like, what do I do with this? And he's got to reconcile some major things. So let's not just look at the Christmas story and just think, oh, this is so easy. This is just a baby born in a barn. This is just the Savior coming to the earth. No, this is bigger. This is, this is Joseph wondering, what do I do? And Joseph has to drop this F-bomb. He's got to drop the forgiveness. He's got to say, hey, I didn't hurt anyone, but I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Because how many know that people will do crazy things? And that people, when it comes to people, there are no simple solutions. So the temptation is this. Here's the temptation. As long as I'm right with God, nothing else matters. But that's not true. That's not it. And so I know a lot of people that just think, well, I'm good with God, so it doesn't matter. Screw you. That's, that's, not, that's not what God did. That's not how it works. And so I know a lot of people that are, they'll just go through their life. They're like, I'm just right with God, so it doesn't matter how I treat or what other people treat me. No, because they miss what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said this. He said in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's he built the bridge. Who did he build it through? He built it through Christ. Now, and Christ gave us, us, the ministry of, what's the word? Reconciliation. So it's not okay for just you to be right with God and not with anybody else. So it's not okay for me to just be right with God and not my spouse. It's not okay for me just to be right with God and not my children. It's not okay for me just to be right with God and not my boss or my coworkers. No. You see, salvation was uh, an example given to us. And around Christmas time, we celebrate Christmas. We decorate. We tell people that this is the time that we look forward to. But what happens is we don't demonstrate what we celebrate. You say, what do you mean demonstrate? Christmas is about reconciliation. It's about forgiveness. But we don't demonstrate that. We're like, no, it stops with me. No, no, no. You need to take it this next step and say, hey, I'm going to celebrate this, but I'm going to demonstrate reconciliation. This person wounded me. This person offended me. This person said this to me, but I'm going to forgive them. And it's hard, isn't it? Especially if you're beyond sitcom level problems. You're like, no, I'm in real problems. This person has stolen my innocence. This person has wounded me. This person has left me. This person has abandoned me. This person has done the worst thing. This person has stolen from me. I'm not trying to minimize your problems here. I'm just saying that what happens is if you don't give the gift of forgiveness, there's no vertical relationship that's right. As a matter of fact, Jesus even preached a message where he said there were two people who came to a temple. One was a Pharisee and one was a a religious person. The other person, the Bible talked about him, that he wouldn't even lift his face to God. He said, I'm just a wicked person. And God pointed to the one who said he's more of a sinner, but he was willing to confess. He said to the other one, don't bring your gift to the altar if you have a fault with another. Go leave your gift and get forgiveness first. Because you can't give a gift. You need to give forgiveness first. See, God doesn't want the gift. Some of us this morning, we're going to bring an offering, and we're going to put some money in the plate. And God's like, hey, more than I want this, because this is the key to your heart, God is saying, I want something more. I want you to have the freedom of forgiveness. And some of us don't realize that because of unforgiveness, we are now in a prison. You see, forgiveness and unforgiveness are the gifts that keep on giving. You say, what do you mean? Unforgiveness is a gift that keeps on giving. It keeps on giving bitterness. It keeps on giving anger. It keeps on poisoning your soul. It keeps on giving grudges. It just keeps on giving. That's what unforgiveness does. It'll just sour somebody. It'll just ruin somebody. But the gift of forgiveness is also a gift that keeps on giving. You say, why? Because it gives peace to your heart. It gives joy to your soul. It lifts you from the weight. It frees you from the guilt. It frees you from the burden of saying, hey, that person wounded me. Guess what? I'm not going to hold them prisoner any longer. I release them from that debt. I forgive them of that debt. I'm going to let it go as hard as that is. Now, you're not minimizing what they've done. You're just saying, hey, I offer forgiveness because I've got to free my own heart because what you don't realize is that you're the prisoner, not them. I mean, how many times have you been frustrated because you're all worked up, you're all upset, and you're all bothered by what they did, what they said, how they looked at you, and then you find out that they're not bothered, and it just makes you more mad. I mean, doesn't it just upset you that it doesn't upset them? Like, I mean, you're just like, what? How could you do that to me? And they're just like going through life like it's all good. I mean, I can't tell you how many times where Jane and I have had an argument and we'll go to bed and I can roll over and I'm out. I could sleep so good, like great. And she's like, I can't believe you slept through our argument. 
I was like, I'm sorry. I was tired. I fell asleep. She was like, because I was grabbing blankets and I was doing one of these rolling in the bed and I was shuffling my pillow and everything and I was doing all that kind of stuff. And then she said, you wouldn't wake up to that. So then I had to take it to DEFCON 5. You said, what's DEFCON 5? I had to cry. And she said, that didn't even wake you. You heartless, soulless ogre. What is wrong with you? Are you even a human? You're probably a robot here created by Larry Page to take over the world, aren't you? That's right. I'm going to Mars. That's it. I'm out of here because you have no soul. I was shedding tears and you just slept. As I'm contemplating the fate of our marriage and our relationship and you could just sleep. And look at you, there's no bags under your eyes. You look so well-rested this morning. You were whistling as you were making coffee, and I was distressing over our relationship. It bothers us when it doesn't bother them. And you'll go to work, and your coworker did something to bother you, and they're not bothered. Your relative that said that thing years ago or said something on Facebook last week, or while you're sitting at the table, you're getting their feed, and they're saying nasty stuff about you. And you're like, you're literally doing it right now in front of me. I'm, I'm watching you. And I'm supposed to give them forgiveness? Yeah. Because we can't be right like this if we're not right here. It's a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. And I know that's hard, but the Bible says he's given you and I. If we're a new creature, if we're in Christ, then we have this ministry of reconciliation. And you say, what is that? You see, you and I have the opportunity to do for someone else what God did for you. That's what it is. Forgiveness is an opportunity to do for someone else what God did for you. How awesome is that? When someone hurts you, when someone offends you, when somebody uh, does something wrong to you, you get to be like Christ. Now, I know we don't like that, do we? I was at, with a men's group, and they said something really good. Uh, Rocky, who's hosting today, says something really good. He said, we don't have a problem wanting to be like God. We all want to be like God. We have a problem wanting to be like Jesus because Jesus was the suffering servant. We all want to be God. We're, we're actually kind of good at being God, controlling our life, controlling others, controlling everything around us, trying to manipulate everything. Uh, we have that part down. It's the being like Jesus that we're actually called to. You see, I don't mind being a servant leader until someone treats me like a servant. You see, as a spouse, we don't mind serving our spouse as long as our spouse doesn't treat us like a servant. We don't mind serving our boss as long as our boss doesn't treat us like a servant. But here's the thing. This is an opportunity. And this week, as you go into the situations you're going to go into this week, you need to say, God has now given me an opportunity to do for them what God has done for me. And God has reconciled me. God has built a bridge, the bridge of which I can cross over. And the relationship is now restored. It's been reconciled. And so I can be reconciled with one another. Now, here's the thing. Many of us are just stepping back and we're saying, that's really hard. And I'm not minimizing that, how hard it is. It is hard. But think about this. What did reconciliation cost Jesus? It cost him dying on a cross. It cost him nine-inch nails going through his right hand and his left and through his feet. It cost him a Roman spear being uh, pushed through his side, under his ribcage, into his heart, and being pulled out. It cost him being have a crown of thorns placed upon his head. It cost him being beaten with a cat of nine tails so his flesh was ripped off of his back. That's what it cost him, and it just might cost you an awkward phone call. So let me ask you, which one's worse? Let's put it all in perspective. Because I know what we're being asked to do is difficult. I know it's messy. I know it's hard. But we need to step back and say, wait a minute. Jesus is my example. 
And when I'm offended and when I'm hurt, I get the opportunity to do for them what God has done for me. But yet what God has done for me is far greater than what I'll ever have to do. I might have to write an email that's tough to write. I might have to make a phone call that's tough to make. I might have to go over to somebody's house and confront them and make it right. I might have to go and send a text message or I might have to do something. That's what it's going to ask you to do this week. I'm going to ask you to demonstrate what you celebrate this season. And that's reconciliation. And that's hard, isn't it? It's messy. It's something we don't want to do. It's something where we step back. We're like, whoa, man, just just give me a nice little feel-good Christmas message. Not this forgiveness, but that's what it is. It's the ministry of reconciliation. But I love what Joseph's response is. We see it in verse number 24. It says, as soon as he got up, he went and did what the angel told him to do. He didn't wait a day. He didn't wait on it. He moved right away. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. You say, what do you mean? Joseph made the first move. Here's what God told Joseph. Guess what? This baby's coming with you or without you. Do you want to get in on this? And you and I have the, the, the responsibility to say, hey, I need to make the first move. And some of you, for years and years, you've waited on them to make the move, and they're not making the move. But you have to be the one to say, I'm going to make the first move. Joseph initiated. Are you going to initiate the forgiveness? Say, no, no, no. They hurt me. They wronged me. They did it to me. Yes, and it is souring your spirit. It is poisoning your soul. It is creating anxiety. It is creating this tension inside of you. It's really destroying you. You need to free you. This isn't so much about them as it is about you. When you forgive, it frees you up. It frees you up. It frees you from the bitterness. It frees you from the anger. It frees you. If for no other reason you should forgive, forgive it for yourself because you need it. You need it for this, for your soul. But what happens is we just go through life and we just think, man, I'm just going to ignore it. But yet you still want God to use you though. You still want God to bless you. But here's the pressure of a promotion. You see, God had told Joseph, I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to work through your life. But guess what? There was some pressure involved. You and I, were always like, God, use me, bless me, fill my life. Give me your precious promises. And God's like, but you can't even handle the pressure. I put you with round people and you get upset, you get frustrated and you don't work with them and you don't have forgiveness. Guess what? You can't handle the promotion because you are not dealing with the pressure. You see, God said, Joseph, are you going to be able to handle the pressure of being the stepdad to Jesus? Are you going to be able to handle that? Because if you can't handle people talking about Mary right now, you're not going to be able to handle people talking about Jesus. Because every time you try to feed him something that he doesn't like, you try to make him some soup that you want him to eat, you know what he's going to do with that bowl of soup? He's going to part that soup, like make me eat it, right? And anytime you say, hey, Jesus, you can't have more candy, you know what Jesus is going to do? Oh, yeah, you know where he started multiplying the loaves and the fishes? He's like, bring candy, you know? I mean, he's going to do it. I mean, just imagine that for a second. Here is Joseph, and he's got the pressure to raise Jesus. That's pressure. You and I, if we're not willing to deal with the pressure right now, guess what? There is no promotion. There is no promotion to the next level. You and I have to say, you know what? I'm going to deal with it right here. If you can't handle the pressure, you will not function in the promise that God has for you. And that's what happens. So many people limit their growth potential. They limit what God can do in their marriage. They limit what God can do in their relationships because they're not good with people. Because you want to stay in your 90s little sitcom, and you don't want to ever grow beyond real problems. You don't want to ever grow in your marriage, in your relationship with people. You just want to stay at your surface little problems. So you're easily offended. You're easily ticked off. You're easily bothered. Everything offends you. Everything that anybody else puts on Facebook, you just feel like you got to get in the middle of that mess. And you got to comment. And if you don't like the comments and the reposts, the retweets, 
tweets. And if you don't like what your friends are saying about their friends and their friends are saying about their cousins and their veterinarian's doctor's dog, and it just bothers you, you got issues. You just got issues. We think the world is crazy. No, no, no. You and I are crazy. We let everything bother us. We let it bother us like, who she thinks she is wearing that dress? She thinks she looks better than me. That's what she's doing. Or we look at somebody else like, hey, he's rolling up here in a brand new car on Christmas trying to show off how, how well he's doing and trying to make us all look bad. Why is that bothering you? Why does it bother you when you see somebody else on Facebook or Instagram that's doing better than you? Why is that getting to you? It, shows, it should reveal to you that when it comes to offenses, you are operating out of the petty and insecure self. That's what it should reveal. That if you see somebody that you're like, can't believe they got the promotion, you're operating out of the petty insecurities. Instead of being like, man, good for them. That's great. I got my own race to run. I've got what God has for me. I have what, what God wants to do through me. So guess what? I can handle the pressure of this promotion. I can, I can suffer in silence. I'm good. I'm just going to keep offering that forgiveness. You see, if you cannot handle the pressure, don't ask God for the promotion. You see, God wants you to demonstrate what you celebrate, but so many of us are like, nope. Mm-mm. I'll give that person a, a gift. Oh, better yet, I will re-gift a gift. That's what I'll do. I won't buy a new one. I will re-gift something. Somebody's going to give me ties. Somebody's going to give me socks. Somebody's going to give me something I don't need. So I'll just re-gift that to them. No, no, that's not, that's not forgiveness. So we need to make the first move, but then we need to multiply mercy. Let me end on this last point. God told through the angel of the Lord, said to Joseph, hey, you need to name this boy Jesus. Do you, we, we gloss over that and we just kind of look at it. We're thinking, oh, that's great. He gets to name Jesus, Jesus. No, no, you don't understand the significance because in that day and age, naming rights for the firstborn son wasn't just a name. It meant that the firstborn was going to get all the rights and responsibilities of your household. It meant that he was going to carry on the legacy, that everything was going to be passed through him, that everything that mattered, he was going to get all of your influence, all of your wealth, all of your position. He was going to get it. But here's the thing. Jesus was not even Joseph's biological son. And God was asking Joseph, Joseph, I want you to treat my son like he's your son. I want you to give him all the rights and privileges that you would give your very own firstborn. I want you to give it to him. Sometimes we think, I don't want to give them forgiveness. I'm not even the one that created this mess. I'm not going to forgive my husband. He shows up late. He missed our anniversary. He's the one that's rude. He's the one that doesn't do anything around here. Why am I going to serve him? Why am I going to serve her? Multiply mercy. God said, Joseph, will you do it? And Joseph said, I'll do it. And that's why on the cross, when Jesus hung there, he said to John, his disciple, he said, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. Because Jesus knew, hey, I had all the rights and responsibilities that were passed on as the firstborn, not just in heaven, but as the firstborn on earth. And so God said, I still got to take care of, as the God man, I still got to take care of these responsibilities. And he passed it on because he saw the example of Joseph and Joseph was willing to multiply mercy and yet around the holidays what happens is we won't multiply mercies we get ticked off and bothered that somebody cut us off and stole our parking spot so we want to give them the number one with our middle finger we want to go and make sure they just know exactly how we feel and how they made our day are you kidding me right now you're going to let somebody stealing your parking lot somebody stealing your your you're going to let that affect your day when are we as Christ followers going to say, you know, I've graduated from 90 sitcom, saved by the bell, full house type problems. God, I can handle the real stuff. And God, I will forgive 
It won't be easy, but God, it's going to be hard, but I know you will help me because I'm a new creature. And you have given me this ministry of reconciliation. So I will go to people that have wronged me and I will offer them forgiveness. I don't know how they'll respond, but that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to offer. My responsibility is to build my part of the bridge, as much of the bridge as I can build. I told somebody the other day, never burn a bridge, never burn a bridge. Always give somebody a way to come back. It was a pastor friend. He said, hey, a dear friend has left the church. And I said, hey, extend the olive branch, build a bridge. And that way they always have a door to come back. You don't burn that bridge. You don't gossip about them. You don't need to talk bad about them. You don't need to say anything about them. You can honor them. You can love them and let them know the door is always open to come back because we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So you may have a friend, a coworker, a loved one, a stepdad or a dad or a mom that they abandoned you, they wounded you, build the bridge. And I know it's not going to be easy, but you've been given an opportunity because here's what happens. Opportunities or your obstacles are really the midwife of opportunities. Some of your greatest opportunities are going to come out of those obstacles and obstacles are really the midwife that's going to deliver those. And so Joseph got to be the stepdad, the earthly father of the, his heavenly father's son. How cool is that? I get to be the earthly dad. What a responsibility. I'm telling you what, what a great privilege that he got to be the one that on this earth mentored Jesus, trained up Jesus and led Jesus when he was a young, influential person. He got to pour into him. And so he wasn't going to pass, pass up on that responsibility or that opportunity. But it started because he was willing to engage in reconciliation. But some of us, when it comes to reconciliation, we're like, I ain't doing it. No. Mm -mm." And for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, like, not talking to you. What does that say about our God? Aren't you glad that God didn't do that with you? What if God said, yep, remember what you did in the 90s? I haven't forgotten Mm, you're praying right now. You have some real needs. I'm not listening. But yet we do it to people all the time. We do it to spouses. We do it to coworkers. We do it to people that offended us, bothered us. We're like, you're dead to me. You're out. And then we show up to worship on Sunday. And we're like, I'm praising Jesus. Get my praise on. I love Jesus. And Jesus is like, I wish you wouldn't. Because that's not the example that I set at Christmas time. The example I set at Christmas time is I reconciled you. And that while you were dead in your trespasses and sins, I mean, we don't quite get the full language experience of what the words mean. You were just garbage. And God said, I'm going to save garbage. I'm going to reconcile that to me. Now you go do the same. We all have that person in our life who we're just like, God, I just want to avoid them. But you need to extend forgiveness. And you need to say, God, Christmas is a really hard time. But I'm going to demonstrate what I celebrate this year is God has forgiven me. Oh, how great salvation that we've received. So right now, I can go up to any person. I can say, you know what? My heart is so full of love. It's so full of forgiveness that I can extend it. You don't have to ever forgive me. You don't even ever have to like me. You don't have to do anything with this, but I have to give it. I have to give it. I wish Christians would rise up and just say, 
I don't know how you respond. I can't, I can't control your response, but I have to give this. I've got to. I want to because it's going to free me. And guess what? In the process, it's going to bug the heck out of them because they're like, whoa, they're actually good now. After all that I did to them, after all that I hurt them, look at them. Look at them walking in freedom, walking in life, walking in joy. And they're going to be like, God's got to hire because I see it in that person. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm not minimizing your hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. But God reconciled sinners so that sinners could reconcile with sinners. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, it's so easy for us to talk about the forgiveness that you've offered so hard to talk about forgiving one another because it involves a lot of painful emotions. It involves all the things that we want to hide and we ignore and we don't want to deal with. It involves all the pain and all the hurt and drags up all the memories that we'd rather just stuff down and avoid around Christmas time. But Lord, help us to do what Joseph did. He demonstrated what he celebrated. And so Father, this morning as there are hurts in this room that are so deep, they go generational. That there were wounds that were passed on after generation after generation. But today we give forgiveness. Today we release ourselves. We're going to release others from a debt. We're going to forgive the debt. We're no longer going to hold them accountable. Today, Father, we're going to go and we're going to let it go. We're going to leave it here. We're not going to hold on to these chains. We're We're going to surrender it to you because you gave us forgiveness so that we could forgive others because Christmas is a time for giving and we're going to offer forgiveness to those who offend us, to those who hurt us, to those who wounded us. And I pray, Father, for those that are here in this room, that they are dealing with the trauma, they are dealing with the wound. And they've said, I've dealt with the trauma, I've dealt with the wound for year after year after year, and I don't know how to find healing. I don't know how to deal with it. And it all lies in the gift of forgiveness, that the moment they say, God, I'm going to forgive that person, I'm going to cancel the debt. And the moment they do that, they will experience such rich fullness of life as they surrender it, as they let it go to you, that they will experience you in a deeper and a greater way. So Father, we declare this. We pray this over everyone that's here. We pray it over all the hurts. We pray it over all the hearts that you would help us this morning to offer forgiveness for those who have hurt us. So Father, right now we ask that you would do a work that we can't do, but only you through Jesus could do for us. And that was the ministry of reconciliation. You reconciled us to yourself so that we could have a relationship. So Father, help us now. Flow through us. Speak through us. Channel that so we can do and help with others. Let's, let's, let's gather around this. Help us, Father. We need this in Jesus' name. Can we all stand with every head bowed and every eye closed? I'm going to ask our counselors to come to the front if they're in the room. And if you're saying, hey, I've got some, I've got some weights, I've got some unresolved anger, and I've got some issues. And you say, hey, this morning, I need to pray over this. I need to speak with somebody about this. We have some counselors at the front. We're going to sing a worship song. This is why we ask everybody with heads bowed and eyes closed, just to give them a moment of privacy where they can just come and find somebody who will pray over them, pray with them regarding their situation. So right now, as we sing and as we worship, and if you want to step out and you want to pray with somebody, we have people at the front. They will pray with you and for you. So right now, you slip out of your seat and you come as we sing.